This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. Driving cross-country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street and we were back on the road in no time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everybody, it's Los. Here we are heading into the week five re- recap, week six preview. We're just chugging right along this season. How are things, Mung? Good, good. We're chugging along just like uh, Matt Breda and Tevin Coleman are uh, on the ground here. San Francisco's looking legit. Uh, I can't lie to you. I have not seen a lick of this game just yet. But uh, all you listeners out there, have your fingers crossed. I know it'll happen by then, but just throw up a prayer for 18 points for Nick Chubb for me tonight. Uh, he's uh, He's had a couple of good runs, so I could see that happening. Well, he's a man who will have many good runs. A very, very good running back. Although it's uh, it's pretty fortunate that you only need 18 points from him because it's been quite a crazy week. It feels like we're kind of in the upside down here. It's uh, <laughs> at quarterback, you know, Teddy Bridgewater was the number four quarterback in fantasy. He outscored Mahomes by nine points. Uh, Josh Jacobs outscored Dalvin Cook. Chase Edmonds outscored Ezekiel Elliott. Byron Pringle was a top 12 wide receiver with just 22 points. Uh, he nearly outscored DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones combined. And Ger- Gerald Everett was the top-scoring tight end, nearly outscoring Travis Kelsey and Evan Ingram combined. Certainly seems like stranger things are happening. Indeed. Uh, man, were you on the uh, receiving end of any of these? Uh, well, let, let, we'll keep it PC and just call them uh, unfortunate <laughs> situations. Drubbings. Sure, drubbings, yes. Yeah. S- Series of unfortunate events. Uh, <laughs> actually, I uh, snicketed my way away from most of them, except the one where I need uh, Chubb to come through. I, I was up against the 34 day for Philadelphia's defense. Um, but otherwise, uh, no, got off clean. Very, uh, very nice. Uh, I, I too squeaked out. Uh, in fact, I did the drubbing in one of my leagues. So pretty happy with this week's results thus far. Very good. All right, let's get right into it then. We'll start off, as always, with our Gillette Close Shave of the Week. It's difficult to elude and frustrate Aaron Donald, the reigning defensive MVP for two years in a row now. But Russell Wilson proved that he belongs in the conversation of elite quarterbacks in the league. Wilson was nearly perfect on Thursday night, throwing for 268 yards and four touchdowns without a turnover. And he rushed for 32 yards as well. In a back-and-forth battle between the two NFC West rivals, Wilson continually found time to throw, scrambling around a lethal Rams pass rush, eventually finding running back Chris Carson wide open in the end zone for a short touchdown pass late in the fourth quarter, getting the Seahawks up 30-29. Wilson is averaging over 280 passing yards per game and has already thrown 12 touchdowns without an interception this season. He's also carried the ball for 120 yards and two touchdowns and carried this team to a 4-1 and one record. Get your close shave like Russell Wilson with Gillette. There's a best for every man. Get $3 off your first order when you create an account using the code WELCOME3. And try Gillette's new heated razor, providing comfort with every stroke. Heated razors, quarterbacks heating up. 
some people just need to cool down sometimes. Indeed, and uh, well, I think the uh, Giants are going to be pretty cold this week. <laughs> yeah, that heads us into our Thursday night football game. The New York Giants head into New England. This is just going to be ugly. Uh, the Giants only managed 10 points versus Minnesota. Could do very similarly here. Rough start for the Daniel Jones, but better days will be ahead after the coming weeks. Saquon Barkley's backup, Wayne Gallman, went down with concussion. Hillman and Penny combined for a negligible backfield output. Um, Saquon may be back this week. Don't love him against New England, but if he's if he's healthy, you certainly can't sit him. The big question was how was uh, Golden Tate going to affect Sterling Shepard? And the answer is he didn't have much of an effect from a number standpoint. Shepard went 5 of 10 for 49. Solid enough day for Tate's 3 of 6 for 13 as he ramps back up to speed. Uh, but Shepard's probably out with another concussion. Play, this game's on Thursday. Tate could be a decent flex play here, but uh, I do my best to avoid him versus New England. Evan Ingram should see some targets and is the only real starter here after a solid enough week, 6 of 11 for 42 yards. Yep, Ingram's a pretty high high floor play here given his target share in this offense. Uh, we'll see about Saquon Barkley. This is going to be real interesting. Uh, he may just prove to be superhuman, uh, beating that 4-8 to eight week timetable for his return from that high ankle sprain. Uh, but he was already practicing last week and looked fairly normal from the video. Uh, if he were to return to this game, uh, as you said, even against an elite New England defense, you just can't bench Saquon Barkley. All it takes is one big play, and he's gone, uh, even against this defense. Uh, the good news, though, is that you won't have to make that decision because the Giants are playing Thursday night, so you'll know right away if he's in or out. You don't have to make that uh, decision on Sunday, Sunday morning whether or not to risk it. Um, if Barkley is out, though, Wayne Gallman's probably out as well with his concussion. Uh, you're not starting John Hillman or Elijah Penny here. Don't get too cute with that. Uh, and then Golden Tate, as you said, uh, he'll be a low on flex play. Decent floor in PPR with Shepard out probably, but probably going to avoid over here unless you're going to be really desperate in deeper leagues. As for New England, the Patriots started slow versus Washington, but they righted the ship for a 26-point victory. Tom Brady threw three touchdowns. Sony Michelle rushed for 16 carries, 91 yards and a touchdown, and he added three catches uh, to his zero earlier in the year. James White rushed six times for 26 yards with six catches on nine targets, 46 yards receiving. Brandon Bolden had six touches and a touchdown as well. I don't know what this running back situation is, really. Rex Burkhead will probably be back and disrupt everything uh, this next week. Edelman and, Go and uh, Josh Gordon are both wide receiver twos uh, in uh, well at home versus the Giants. And I'd prefer White to Michelle here, but both are high upside flexes. Uh, Michelle has weekly two touchdown upside. It's just a matter of when or if that'll ever happen. Right. It's more so guessing which weeks that's going to happen. Um the Patriots offensive line, they've been struggling in general, really just without their starting left tackle. And uh, luckily on a short week, they get to face a struggling Giants defense. So Brady should be a mid-range QB1 here. Uh, pretty pretty confident in this defense, or excuse me, in this offense against that Giants defense. Um, agree that both Edelman and Gordon are great starts here with Philip Dorsett likely out with a hamstring injury. Uh, I'd agree with you as well with White over Michelle and PPR, but uh, Rex Burkhead's status with that foot injury will be something to monitor. Short week uh, at Gillette. Man, I'm taking the Patriots. I will take the Patriots. Sunday morning, again in London, 
this time 9.30 a.m. Eastern. So do not forget to uh, swap around your your Panthers and your uh, Buccaneers in your lineups very early in the morning. Probably do it the night before if you can. Uh, technically a home game for Tampa, but, you know, it's in London. Carolina needs to uh, fly over there for the early game. We'll see how well this team travels. I'm avoiding the young Kyle Allen here, and I'm not expecting Moore or Samuel to set the world ablaze. Six of nine for 81 yards for Moore this past week, and just three of six for 19 yards for Curtis Samuel. Samuel has become a neon factor here with Kyle Allen, and Moore's a wide receiver three. This is mostly because they're just giving everything they can to Christian McCaffrey. 19 carries, 176 uh, yards and two touchdowns and six catches on nine targets, 61 yards and a touchdown reception this last week. Just ridiculous re- uh, production from the running back. Nothing should slow him. Well, that's not true. I do think something might slow him down here, but better better than zero chance that he has a just fine day as a, as a um, running back one still regardless. Uh, this also hurt Greg Olson, who was held without a catch. Big old zero for him, but that's the volatility of the tight end position. He should be a little better in London. Right. Uh, in fact, with this uh, Buccaneers pass rush, Greg Olson could actually get quite a few checkdowns here if Kyle Allen is under pressure. Uh, Tampa Bay is giving up the second most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. And if you recall, in their first meeting this year, uh, Olson had six catches for 110 yards in week two against the Bucks. So not, not too worried about him, uh, but it is worth noting that was with Cam Newton. So we'll see how Kyle Allen chooses to spread the targets around this week. Um, as you noted, uh, maybe something might slow down Christian McCaffrey. Uh, worth noting in that win against uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars that McCaffrey left the game early with, or excuse me, left the game late uh, with cramps, which is why we got to see his backup Reggie Bonifon, um, who played well for the last couple of series in that game. He's someone that we're definitely going to discuss as a potential waiver wire ad later on. Uh, he would have high, high upside if McCaffrey were to miss time. Although, um, you know, honestly, even if McCaffrey had one leg but he were active, I think I would start him, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, I would. I, I see your point on Bonifon. I don't, I wouldn't like him if anything happened this week. Tampa has actually quietly been, like, the top defense against the running back. No, no, not, yeah, um, that's a very good point. Uh, they're actually, hmm. I think they're top 10 in points against, or excuse me, top 10 uh, fewest uh, points allowed to running backs. In fact, uh, Alvin Kamara got 62 rushing yards against them, and that's the most they've given up so far this year. Um, So I agree with you. Uh, Bonifon would not be a great start this week, but if McCaffrey were to miss time in general, um, Bonifon would be a a key pickup here. Uh, He seemed to to get uh, all the work with McCaffrey out here. Um, and then yeah, actually, who, who's on the team? Cameron Artis Payne, I think. Is yeah, there anybody and, else? And uh, Jordan Scarlett, I think the rookie. Okay, yeah, um, that's the other one. But really, it seems like Bonifon, based on this one game sample, would be uh, probably the next man up, wouldn't you think? Yeah, small sample size, but it sounds reasonable. Right. Um, and actually, I don't hate the wide receivers here. I, I, I like Moore and Samuel hmm. both as flex plays. Um, Tampa Bay, they've actually given up the fifth most points to wide receivers. Um, the problem is their pass rush really kind of covers up their deficiencies in the secondary. So if Carolina can actually manage that, uh, I actually think they could have a nice day here. Remember that in week two when these wide receivers, excuse me, um, when neither of them did much, that was with a gimpy Cam Newton who was missing wide open throws. 
Uh, I remember both DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel had quite a few opportunities in that game. So as long as Kyle Allen can make those throws under pressure, they could actually produce quite a bit here. A fair point. Fair point indeed. Jameis Winston was uh, pretty fine versus the tough New Orleans defense. 200 yards, two touchdowns, zero turnovers. This could be uh, this could be um, a tough go for him here. The Carolina defense has looked good. The pass rush has been stellar. I would veer away from Winston here, but definitely uh, start Chris Godwin, who just went seven of nine hundred and twenty five yards and two touchdowns. I believe the wide receiver won in PPR on the season so far. Mike Evans. Catchless, zero catches this uh, this week and was limited to 60 yards in their first matchup in week two. He was getting over that illness. Bradbury was in his face. Cam is very, you know, poor, poor accuracy. He should be an OK wide receiver, too, here. Not very confident in Kyle Allen, but it is what it is. Or in uh, Jameis Winston week to week, but it is what it is. Close enough, Jones right? and Barber. <laughs> Kyle what? Allen, Jameis Winston, close enough, you know. Yeah, I, I you know, it's... I'm sure it's not that different, right? Uh, <laughs> Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber were limited to nine carries, 35 yards, and two catches for Jones, and nine carries, 32 yards, the touchdown, and one catch for Barber. Jones is a running back three, and I would avoid Barber here. Better days could be ahead, but I just don't love it this week in London. O.J. Howard has a tough linebackers matchup. He's droppable if you haven't caught him already. Right, and it's I guess it's time to put Godwin over Evans in the rankings this week. Um, just, for this week, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I just you know Winston has looked okay on the box score, uh, you know, against New Orleans. But uh, watching the game, that second touchdown was in garbage time to Godwin at the end of the game, and then he actually threw two interceptions. Uh, they just happened to both be called back by penalty on the Saints, so very lucky there. Um, I do still have Winston as a high end quarterback too for this matchup. But really, Godwin's becoming a must-start wide receiver one. <laughs> He's leading all wide receivers in fantasy points through five weeks. I don't know how you could ever bench him at this point. Um, but I do agree that Evans is better than that zero-catch game shows. He's more of a boomer-bust wide receiver two now um, with Winston willing to get it to Godwin in the slot. And he does have a tough matchup. But as you said, uh, he was sick in that first game against the Panthers here. Um, it'd be hard to bench Evans as well, unless you have really good options here. And as you said, the running backs, both Jones and Barbers are flex plays. Arians really wasn't lying when he said that he, he would use the hot hand approach here. So both of these guys are going to be risk reward options. Um, I could see this one going either way. Uh, crazy things happen in London, but I guess I'll take the Buccaneers here. They've Again, as you said, they've quietly been a very good run defense, so if McCaffrey can't do as much, uh, Kyle Allen may have to do something to win here. We'll see. You literally took the words out of my mouth before I could say them. Um, I think that the rush defense is tough here. McCaffrey still has a running back one day, but uh, Kyle Allen is asked to do a little too much as Jameis gets just enough points on the board, and Allen throws an interception in the game. Tampa Bay wins in London. So, of course, this means Kick that off. Carolina will win by, like, 30 points. <laughs> yeah, 45. Yeah. Sunday, noon games, America, Seattle at Cleveland. Um, Russell Wilson, like you said, just gets it done. Four touchdowns, 23 attempts. He's a weekly must-start. Chris Carson saw another 27 carries, 118 yards, with just two targets out of the backfield, but one for a touchdown. That's good enough. 
Rashad Penny is a strong bench hold. Will Disley is a weekly tight end one, getting plenty of looks here. 4-4 four, four for 81 this week. If the Cleveland corners stay as injured as they are right now, this could be a big week for wide receiver two, Tyler Lockett, and a solid flex consideration for DK Metcalf here. Right. Uh, by the way, thank you for specifying that these games are in America. <laughs> um, no, no problem. Could be Mexico. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, you know, you're not wrong here. Um, the Seahawks escaped with a win Thursday night off a barely missed field goal attempt by Greg Zerline, which he usually hits. Uh, they're going to face another challenging matchup here at Cleveland. Again, uh, as you said already, a lot's going to depend on the health of the starting cornerbacks in Cleveland, both of them out tonight. Uh, Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams back would be be a major uh, game changer for the Cleveland Browns here. Um, volume really is the only constant question about Russell Wilson. We know he has the talent. It's just he remains a low on QB1 for this matchup given uh, you know the uncertainty that they're actually going to throw it. Uh, Chris Carson remains the clear lead running back here. He's a mid-range RB2 against the Browns defense that's Stopped the run fairly well, but we just saw tonight that they're getting torn up by this Niners ground game. Uh, Tyler Lockett, I like yeah, a near, lot. Hmm? Yeah, near 200 yards for the first half. That's just nuts. I'm finally catching up on this game. Yeah, um, although it, it is interesting to note that maybe this is just the Shanahan efficiency. Uh, so it, maybe the Browns are decent against the run, but San Francisco's just really good. That's also a possibility. We have to kind of decipher uh you know where where we draw that line of how much of it is the Niners being great and how much of it is the Browns not being great I'm uh, pretty sure it's not the Niners being great <laughs> all right we'll see um because they've looked good in general so far they you know they I guess they tore up Cincinnati but that's not saying too much yeah they've point. they've had the easiest schedule in the league thus far yeah well we'll see uh we'll talk about them against the Rams in just a little bit so that'll be a real test yep um, as you said, Tyler Lockett, love him as a wide receiver too. Here, uh, you're starting Disley at this point. Uh, you know the, he's got a ton of upside as a tight end one playing a Browns secondary that's allowed three touchdowns to tight ends prior to tonight's game. Uh, and DK Metcalf too. Uh, he's still boom or bust. Uh, not seeing consistent targets, but he's got a shot every week at, at a long touchdown at this point. As for Cleveland tonight, we get to see if Cleveland can keep something going for their offense. I don't expect uh, Seattle to be able to slow down Nick Chubb, a week, uh, weekly running back one. Odell Beckham should be a wide receiver one, but he's done nothing thus far today. Um, Landry should be all right as a wide receiver three versus Seattle secondary. Um, Baker could just as quickly be the next Cleveland bust, though. I hope not, but stranger things have happened. Right, uh, and maybe Odell Beckham is just a, a quarterback one, completing some passes this year. Ooh, there we go. Uh, so, you know, put them in at that flex spot and maybe get some quarterback value. But uh, not a whole lot to add to what you said. We'll see how involved Antonio Callaway is tonight coming back from that suspension. He's already had a red zone target. Should have been a touchdown. A pretty easy catch, but he bobbled it up for an interception instead. Um, that That's on him. But, again, he's probably a little rusty here, shaking off that rust from the four weeks away. So I would still take it as a positive that Mayfield targeted him uh, near the near the end zone. Uh, not great, of course, but uh, I also don't think Mayfield's a bust. You know, the Super Bowl expectations for the Browns are always a little extreme, but Mayfield's been up and down. The problem is all that pressure that they're getting on him. Uh, with the offensive line struggling right now, that's something that we're seeing uh, is a consistent theme this season. So 
We'll see uh, if they get him uh, going with some more quick passes. They got Jarvis Landry much more involved on shorter routes last week against Baltimore, and we should see some more of that tonight. Landry's already been involved here. Again, a lot's going to depend on the health of the Browns secondary uh, this game. As of right now, though, I'm going to take the Seahawks. It's hard to get a bet against them the way that Russell Wilson has been playing. He is our Gillette Close Shave Player of the Week. I will echo Seattle on the road. Houston at Kansas City. The Texans ran roughshod on that Atlanta defense. 53 points, five touchdowns for Deshaun Watson. And huge upside versus the Chiefs in what could be the game of the week here. Hopkins was okay, 7 of 8, 88 yards. But again, could be the wide receiver one this very week. Um, you know, sort of a letdown with five touchdowns for Watson. But you can't, you can't hate the line. Will Fuller just went absolutely wild. 14 catches, 217 yards, three touchdowns. Could have actually had a touchdown or two more. Uh, inches away he clearly found a soft spot in that Atlanta secondary Darren Fells had two touchdowns on his two targets Fuller's a wide receiver three with tremendous upside obviously and Kiki Cutie has some solid flex upside of his own this week Um, keep in mind Arrowhead is a tough stadium to play in we saw that this week Um, sometimes some lower scoring games than we expect but uh, if you're desperate consider QT but not otherwise Carlos Hyde rushed for 21 carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown to Duke Johnson's nine for 59, including a 24-yard rush with just one catch there for Duke Johnson, the pass-catching specialist. Hyde's a running back, too, who I would start with middling confidence versus Kansas City. Uh, Watson just may throw for all he can and keep the ball and run it himself as much as possible, too. Right. As you said, as crazy as it as it sounds, Will Fuller could have had an even bigger day. He got tackled near the goal line twice, uh, so could have had five touchdowns. Um, And as crazy as it might sound, uh, this is the first week this year that Patrick Mahomes is not my number one quarterback. It is, in fact, Deshaun Deshaun Watson. Uh, there you go. I, you know, I didn't want to say it, but uh, that that's how I feel. Um, really, two reasons. One, Mahomes just Mahomes isn't a hundred percent with that high ankle sprain he suffered last night, so may not be able to scramble as well as usual to avoid pressure. Especially a bigger issue because they are missing left tackle Eric Fisher after that groin surgery, and now left guard Andrew Wiley is questionable as well after su- suffering an ankle injury Sunday night. And then two. That Chiefs defense is really hurt. Uh, you know, the, give credit where credit is due to the Colts. Uh, they played a great game, but, uh, you know, it's it's easier to just run down the Chiefs' throats when they're missing their star defensive tackle, Chris Jones, uh, who missed half of that game with a groin injury, and he's likely out this week. And they could be missing another starting defensive tackle, and Xavier Williams, who also hurt his ankle uh, in the loss to the Colts. Um, they're missing a starting linebacker too. So anyway, the point is you're starting Deshaun Watson here. Um, I love him this week as my number one quarterback. Hopkins didn't have a huge day, but still a wide receiver one. Fuller, I don't know that you can bench him at this point. He's a wide receiver three, but who knows? Maybe he'll get you seven points. Uh, that's just who Will Fuller is. Um, I do like Carlos Hyde as well. Um, I liked Marlon Mack coming into last week, and he performed well, and we've seen that Carlos Hyde is getting more work than Duke Johnson now. So we're going to talk about him yet again on our waiver wire section as we have for a couple weeks now. Yeah, Pat Mahomes looked rattled after having his left ankle stepped on by a uh, 300-pound man. His his mobility was hampered, and it really hurt the offense 
I, I imagine this will be a better week. He should get a chance to heal. Houston doesn't have quite the defense to match up with this team that Indianapolis does. And he had a great game plan to keep the ball away from Mahomes. Uh, they caught a lucky break with him getting his ankle stepped on um, and losing that defensive lineman. You know, Houston doesn't quite run the ball as well as Indy either. But they certainly don't have the line, lot holes in their offensive line. All your normal Chiefs are fine starts. Mahomes, Kelsey, uh, Williams over McCoy. Tough sledding here, not having either Hill or Watkins missing, possibly missing uh, his top two options, not just the one. We'll see who's ready this week. Clearly, Byron Pringle can step up if needed. Six of nine, 103 yards and a touchdown this past week. Hardman, four catches, 79 yards, and uh, Demarcus Robinson doesn't seem to come off the field much. So if the top two guys are out, I, I, I'm, I'm betting all three of these guys are solid flex options. Right. And even though Mahomes is hurt with that ankle sprain, uh, don't bench him. Uh, the only way you would bench him is if you have Deshaun Watson, which is unlikely. Um, don't, don't get too crazy here. Mahomes scored 18 fantasy points against the Colts, even though he was just hobbling around all night. Um, especially, especially if Tyreek Hill's back this week. Uh, we'll see about that. Uh, he was practicing last week, running routes and catching balls well, um, though he has yet to do full practices with contact uh, because that's going to be the key part, making sure that he's cleared for contact and not at risk of re-injuring that shoulder. Um, we'll see about Sammy Watkins as well. He left early with a hamstring injury on Sunday night. Uh, if Watkins plays, I guess he's a flex. Uh, he's really done nothing, but Tyreek Hill, as crazy as it sounds, coming back might be a positive for Sammy Watkins. Um, he would no longer have to face that number one coverage, and he would actually get freed up for some more opportunities. If Hill and Watkins are both out, as you said, I wouldn't have any issues starting any any of the other three wide receivers, but I actually do like Byron Pringle best uh, of those guys as a boomer bust flex here. With the offensive line issues and Mahomes' injury, he may need to get rid of the ball more quickly than usual. Um, and Bringle has been running a lot of those underneath routes. He could be that preferred outlet receiver, so keep an eye on him in deeper formats. I know, I know, uh, Mahomes is banged up, and you know everything we've said sounds like you know the Texans are going to take this game, but I, you know I, I just can't bet against Mahomes at home, even not at 100%. Oh, I don't. I don't feel the Texans will take this game at all. I think, I think the Chiefs won this one by at least a touchdown. All right. Yeah, we'll see. Washington at Miami. I don't want to waste too much time here. Colt McCoy was held under 120 yards with an interception to New England. They may go with Dwayne Haskins here with the new coaching regime. Who knows? Thompson should be a PPR running back too, even though New England knew how to neutralize him. Um, he should be fine versus Miami. Terry McLaurin is the top wide receiver, but I'd actually avoid him here. Um, he's good, but I don't see Xavier Howard allowing a rookie to beat him. It's not like, you know, having a superstar wide receiver and letting him shake free. Right. I don't think McLaurin's a must start based on that matchup. Uh, Howard is likely to shadow him, but at the same time, I don't think he's a must bench either. Um, McLaurin's been very good, even as a rookie, and I, I think he's got enough of a connection with whoever the quarterback is to still be in play as a low end flex here. And if you're desperate too, uh, Jeremy Sprinkle has some upside at tight end. If both Reed and Davis are out again, uh, he'd still just be a mid range tight end too, but. Again, uh, they got to throw to somebody, and this Dolphins defense has not been great. And then finally, too, uh, Trey Quinn, he's a desperation wide receiver five. He could have had a couple big plays two weeks ago against the Giants had Haskins not overthrown him on both of those passes. So still a little bit of upside. 
Um, not a great matchup in real life, but uh, there's there's still plenty of potential fantasy relevance here. Miami gets two weeks to prepare for Washington. Uh, Josh Norman isn't good anymore, so this could actually be a decent spot for Preston Williams and PPR. That's about it. Uh, Devontae Parker may have a touchdown here, but do you really care at this point? Right. Uh, I like Preston Williams quite a bit, uh, and I actually don't hate Rosen as a mid-range quarterback, too, here. You're probably not starting him outside of Superflex or two-quarterback formats, but I do like him here, seeing as Washington has given up the fourth most points to opposing quarterbacks, uh, and that's even with their bye. Um, Kenyon Drake here, uh, I don't mind him as a low-end RB3 or flex play, and uh, like I said, this is a meh game for real life, but could still be some fantasy production here. Uh, between these two teams with bad offense or excuse me bad defenses i'd probably stay away from this game in general in pickums or survivor but if i have to pick here uh, i'm going to take the team coming off a bye uh, and not the team who just lost a head coach and trying to figure out who their starting quarterback is give me miami here yeah i picked washington before uh before john or uh jay gruden was fired um I guess I'll stick with it. I wish I didn't have to pick a team here, but Gruden was not the problem with this team. Gruden had had them up 7-0 on the Patriots for, for a good portion of that, that first half. Yeah, I think everybody knows that Dan Snyder is the problem, but uh, here's the thing. He's a billionaire, and he doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to. That's a good point, Also, uh, especially uh, when football games. I was going to say, by the way, what, what do you think the Vegas odds are that Jay Gruden uh, joins the Raiders coaching staff? I, you know, I was actually thinking about that. Do they make prop bets on that? I, I, I mean, gosh, I'm, people I'm sure, are sick I'm sure you could they find do. it somewhere. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I'm not as in tune with that sort of stuff. But I, I bet if they, they could make a bet on that, that it would be there. Or maybe uh, Jay Gruden will just coach Andrew Luck in the XFL. You know, that might be the – oh, my gosh. You're on to something And Antonio there. Brown. <laughs> Oh my gosh! There we go. There's that George. That's what's Kittle gonna touchdown. happen. That's it. You've got it. Wow! And they're gonna be the new Oakland team since Oakland losing the Raiders. Oakland, uh, the Oakland Grudens will win the NXFL championship for the next decade. Yeah, he could buy the house on the other side of Derek Carr. That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, enough, enough, enough nonsense. Philadelphia at Minnesota. The Eagles beat up the Jets to the tune of thirty-three to six. Thankfully, the uh, Luke Falk era may be ending here. This is a tough matchup for Philly, and hopefully make this a more fun game here. Wentz only threw for 190 yards and a touchdown on the day. The defense sacked Luke Falk 10 times and scored two touchdowns on its own. Uh, That can inadvertently stifle an offense. Go figure. Ertz was good, 5 of 57 and a touchdown. Ailshon went 6 of 8 for 52 uh, he will see tough coverage here versus Xavier Rhodes, who is no, who knows his game back from his Chicago days. I'd avoid Alshon here if possible, uh, especially if Deshaun Jackson is out. They'll be able to key on him a little more. Miles Sanders got a little more involved. Four catches on top of the nine carries to Jordan Howard's 13 carries, 62 yards and a touchdown. Um, uh, the coach has already come out saying Jordan Howard needs to run the ball more times. Bad for Sanders, good for Howard. But he is getting that uh, that pass can work. I would not drop him just yet. Uh, I guess at least Sproles is not taking too much work from them here. So a little more for Howard, less for uh, Sanders is still more than whether uh, if Sproles was still there. They're deep flexes, but that's about it. 
Yeah. Um. Real quick, not to get too off topic here, but did you see the sh- the close up shot of George Kittle after he scored that touchdown? Did he just score a touchdown? He did. Um. Uh, you might still oh, be a couple minutes. Oh, congratulations, behind. George Kittle. Very good. No, um, I uh, I my my uh my television is not functioning as as properly for me as it could this evening. Gotcha. Yeah. So he it looks like he's been growing his hair and his beard out a little bit. He actually kind of reminds me of like an old timey prospector, uh, which is perfect for the ah, San Francisco Forty Nine ers. Yeah, actually, they, wow, Stinky Pete Kittle, very nice. <laughs> the people's tight end. <laughs> like it. Um, back to Philly here, though. Uh, you know, this is a tough matchup at Minnesota. We saw them just shut down Matt Ryan and the Falcons in Week One, but it'd be hard to bench Carts and Wentz here, given how well he's played. Uh, I still have him ranked as a low-end QB1 here despite facing the Vikings. And then having Deshaun Jackson back would certainly help, but we'll see if that's going to happen. It sounds like it's still a 50-50 call depending on how Jackson's rehab goes. I would agree on voiding the running backs for the most part. You know, they're flex plays, but, uh, you know, this Minnesota front seven is tough to run on. I don't see a, a huge amount of production in general, much less split up between the three backs. Ertz uh, still fine as a mid-range tight end one. It's hard to bench him. He could see plenty of checkdowns in this one, too, from Wentz, with the outside receiver struggling a little bit. As you said, uh, Xavier Rhodes, probably not a good, a good week to start Jeffrey, just a boomer bust wide receiver for this week. I would actually maybe consider Nelson Aguilar over Jeffrey, considering the matchup. Oof. Sorry, you've just made me die a little inside. I <laughs> wouldn't quite I'd go that to. far, but but your point is, you want to uh, throw a bet up on that one? No, I, I think they could both have like three catches <laughs> for twenty yards. Yeah, I think Aguilar has two twenty yards in the last two combined weeks. Um, Minnesota, the Vikings came out throwing surprise, surprise, and beat the hapless Giants three hundred yards, two touchdowns. For uh, to Adam Thielen from Kirk Cousins, not 300 yards for Adam Thielen, 300 yards for Kirk Cousins, two touchdowns to Adam Thielen. I've already picked him up, actually, to stream versus Philadelphia this week. Uh, had a little foresight coming. That said, his O-line and immobility could be a recipe for disaster. This could blow up tremendously in my face. But the screen game with Cook looked okay. The rushing game could be limited versus the Philly defense, so good potential for yardage there. Cook remains running back one, 21 carries, 132 yards with six catches, 86 yards receiving this game. I would not be shocked if he gets similar yardage, but only 50 to 60-ish yards rushing this week. Um, after their comments to the media this weekend, Thielen went 7 of 8, 130, two touchdowns, two, three catches, 44 yards, four targets for digs. Uh, Thielen is a high upside wide receiver, too. This week versus that Philly defense. And I think Diggs could shake loose once or twice this week. Uh, call me crazy. This is going to be a solid passing week for Minnesota. I uh, I will put you in my prayers this week. Um, Thank I, you. <laughs> on paper, I, I like Kirk Cousins here, but I just don't know because a lot's going to depend on whether that Minnesota offensive line is going to give Cousins enough time to attack the Philadelphia secondary. Um, he's a high-end QB2 streamer. We'll talk him on, on the waiver sections, but it's it's risk-reward here, right? We've seen enough of bad cousins to know that he could have a five-point day here. Um, again, it's all about having the time to throw. We'll see if they stick with the passing game. Uh, it's easy to say that against the Giants, who don't have a pass rush, but then 
uh, if they get into trouble early on, is Zimmer and Stefanski gonna gonna keep up with the passing game? I do like Thielen as a wide receiver too. Um, but again, coming down to the time to throw, I don't know if Cousins is going to have enough time in the pocket to find digs on some of those longer developing routes uh, against that Eagles pass rush. I still have digs as just a boomer bust wide receiver three until we see some more targets going his way. Thielen seems to be the preferred number one read as well as the outlet receiver. So um, he's the way preferred option in fantasy. And then we've got, uh, you know, you're starting Dalvin Cook. I wouldn't expect big numbers for him on the ground, but he's involved enough in that passing game to be just fine in PPR. You're not benching him. This is another close one. A lot of games this week that I'm just not sure on. Uh, If Jackson is back, I could see the Eagles offense doing enough here. But uh, until we see that, uh, unless Jackson's active, I'm going to go with the Vikings at home. I will take Minnesota at home as well. New Orleans at Jacksonville. Teddy Bridgewater tossed four touchdowns versus Tampa Bay, but this defense will be much more troublesome for him. I would not uh, chase that that production for Teddy Bridgewater. Michael Thomas had a big, big day. 11 catches, 13 targets, 182 yards, two touchdowns. I'm certainly not expecting that, but I'm certainly not taking him out of my lineup. Jacksonville is susceptible to a star athlete if Jalen Ramsey stays out, which it seems like he will. And Kamara is, of course, a running back one. Um, you know, he's had some down days, but they're Kamara down days. He's still plenty fine as a running back one. Jared Cook did see a lot of looks with a great matchup for him versus some shorter guys there. Uh, the inside tight end filter is a good way to get yardage on Jacksonville, and he should probably end up tight end one this week. Um, on another note, Breeze looks like he's healing quite quickly. This team is going to be very scary when he's back and looking even scarier with that, uh, with that throwing video ending with those, uh, I don't know if that's a Kung Fu pose or whatever he's doing in there, but very scary Drew Breeze. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, you're starting Kamara and Thomas, but I'm not quite with you on Jared Cook. Uh, I don't have him as a tight end one this week. He has upside as a mid range tight end two for me. Um, I'm still staying away from the Saints players outside of Tamara, excuse me, Camara and Thomas. Uh, I was actually talking to Super Producer Dan uh, just before the show about this. I think the Tampa Bay defense is good if their pass rush can get to you um, because their secondary is not very good. So the fact that New Orleans was able uh, to stop the pass rush meant that the Buccaneers secondary got exposed, but even without Jalen Ramsey, I think Jacksonville is a much better defense overall. Uh, I actually don't love the Saints here. Um, we'll talk about that when we get to the pick, but let's let's move on to the Jaguar side. All right. All the hype around Minshew Magic notwithstanding, he's actually a pretty darn solid quarterback. Uh, he's making the right throws to his talented wide receivers. DJ Chark was outstanding. 8 of 11, 164 yards, two touchdowns, almost three touchdowns phenomenal grab like that had me do-do-do-ding all all day long like that was they they called it a no catch on the field and honestly if that reviewer had a better angle that that should have been a third touchdown there i firmly expect him to get a heaping dose of marshawn Lattimore and come down back to earth here he's a wide receiver three this week but has that upside uh, DD was fine too, 8 of 11, 82 yards, not quite getting the publicity here. I like him quite a bit, the flex this week. Um, Leonard Fournette keeps picking up chunk yardage. 
one or two times a game, 108 yards and a touchdown, including a 48-yard rush, and four catches on seven targets. He's sticking around as a solid running back two, if not low-end running back one with upside. He's very tough to bring down when he gets going. Minshew is saving Leonard Fournette's season, and I'm loving everything about it. Um, not a whole lot to add to what you said here, uh, but just noting that Marshawn Lattimore has been hit or miss despite two very good weeks in a row, shutting down first Amari Cooper and then Mike Evans. But I'd have a hard time benching DJ Shark here. For me, he's a wide receiver one rest of the season, but this week I still have him as a must-start wide receiver two. Um, I would not be benching him unless you have really, really good options here. Uh, although I will say that with Shark doing so well, I think the defensive coverage is going to start rotating over to his side, which may actually free up D.D. Uh, Westbrook a little bit. He's been getting almost just as many targets as Shark, uh, still viable as a wide receiver three in PPR. And then in deeper leagues, just keep an eye on Jeff Swaim and rookie Josh Oliver. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy is now out for the year with an AC, and excuse me, an ACL tear. Um, so those two tight ends may step up, uh, or it might mean more targets for Chris Conley as well. Again, more for deeper leagues, but something to note here. And uh, I alluded to this just a couple minutes ago when I was talking about New Orleans, but I think that the Jacksonville pass rush is good enough to get to Bridgewater because the secondary uh, can cover for longer than the Buccaneers did. I I guess what I'm saying is I just don't believe in Teddy Bridgewater. Um, the safer bet is on you know taking New Orleans on the road, but... I'm down two games to you in our pick them anyway through five weeks. Give me Jacksonville at home. Um, <laughs> Minshew magic. Baby. And I will. There we go. Let's see some Minshew magic. It's going to be a fun game regardless. I am still going to uh, choose the side of Sean Payton. Certainly not picking Bridgewater. I'm picking Payton, Bridgewater, and Taysom Hill. Some sort of conglomeration of, of a little bit of grossness, but effectiveness. Saints Cincinnati in. at. Pardon? I said Saints Incorporated. There we go. Cincinnati at Baltimore. Cincinnati looked lost for three quarters until uh, Andy Dalton tossed a few quick fourth quarter touchdowns, saving his fantasy day to the tune of 20 points. He was pretty brutal for the first three and a half quarters, and I would avoid him in this uh, in this divisional matchup. Arizona's pass defense is awful. Uh, Tyler Boyd had a big day, 14 targets, catching 10 of 123 and a touchdown to Auden Tate's three of six for 26 yards and a touchdown. I would avoid Tate here. Uh, Boyd should see enough targets to be a wide receiver, too. The two tight ends combined for four catches, 30 yards, and zero touchdowns against the league's worst tight end defenders in Arizona. Congratulations, guys. Get out of Cincy when you can. Joe Mixon had a 100-yard day, only one catch, but he remains at worst to running back two every week. Yeah, leave it to the Bengals to really screw that one up. Um... Although Tyler Eifert yep. could have had a touchdown, Andy Dalton just had a bad throw on him. Uh, you know, he was in the end zone. If he had thrown it to the inside, away from the defender, it would have been a pretty easy touchdown for Eifert. Instead, he threw it basically right to the defender and got it battered away. Um, the Ravens have struggled on defense, so it's not a terrible matchup for Mixon and Boyd. As you said, I would start them with some degree of confidence here, but uh, I probably wouldn't risk it on... Andy Dalton, you know, he's not been great this year. Uh, we may get to see some Ryan Finley, Finley soon, sooner rather than later here. Uh, not a whole lot else to, to bet on here. Let's move on to Baltimore. 
Baltimore took an extra overtime quarter to put away Pittsburgh. Lamar Jackson is a top five quarterback versus Cincinnati with his rushing upside, but not certainly not looking as good as he did the first two weeks of the year. Mark Ingram is a high-end running back, two versus the Cincinnati rush defense. Should have a touchdown or two this week. I would start Andrews and Hollywood Brown with confidence if he's healthy. Make sure he's going to play this game. He did come out quickly after, uh, with injury after his uh, big-time touchdown this week. Yep, it sounds like both Brown and Andrews are playing through injuries, but neither of them seem to be in danger of missing this game. Uh, my only other note here on the Ravens would be Gus Edwards. We could see Baltimore get up pretty big on Cincinnati in this game, and if so, uh, Edwards could be a desperation running back for a flex play with some upside if he gets a lot of work with the Ravens up big in the second half. We did see that happen in week one against Miami when the Ravens got up real big. Baltimore, uh, they've had issues on offense and defense. Uh, really, they almost lost to the Steelers, but this should be a get-right week for them. I'm going to take the Ravens at home. I will take the Ravens at home. The Sunday afternoon games kicked off with San Francisco at the L.A. Rams. Um, I'm going to be honest, I have no real way to project this team right now. Wasn't it? any of the film this week just yet um, but I'll look at the box score see what's going on look at the replays um, see what they're doing at wide receiver doesn't seem like a whole heck of a lot to be honest um, but uh, the wide receivers are all over the place don't be surprised if Dante Pettis emerges in the second half here he's very talented was a wide receiver too much of the second half last year might be able to get his game right soon um, other names to watch, of course, Marquise Goodwin, Debo Samuel, as Jalen Hurt is done for the year. And then whoever's healthy has the start, should be good enough to be at worst to flex, probably more of a uh, running back two in the backup big flex. So far this game, through a little over a half net region, rushing, a touchdown rushing, and a touchdown, uh, and a touchdown rece- receiving. Tevin Coleman, a rushing touchdown, and 67 yards on the ground. Uh, this team's just clicking, although this is against the Browns. Yeah, but this should be a really exciting divisional game. The Rams have not looked unbeatable by any means. Um, we'll see tonight, again, how the running back touches shake out at the end of the night. But there's a lot of fantasy production to be had for both of these running backs. Uh, Coleman and Breda probably both high-end flex plays, maybe even low-end RB2s. Um Right now, I'd probably project Breda a little bit higher. Uh, he seems to be able to rip off some of those bigger plays. We'll see if Coleman's 100%. He looks really good tonight already. Um, and it turns out uh, that Dante Pettis was playing through groin and pectoral injuries to start the season. That came out last week. Uh, so that's an interesting report because if Pettis is healthy now post by, he could emerge a little bit as an option in the San Francisco pass attack. But He's been pretty quiet tonight, so uh, we'll see if that has yet to happen. Right now, it seems more uh, the Marquise Goodwin, George Kittle, and the running backs show. The Rams get a home divisional game to work through some problems here. McVay has had the Niners number uh, to this point, and Goff has had great numbers this year behind very shaky play. He should be able to fix this at some point. We'll start throwing some more touchdowns. 
I could see looking elsewhere if you really wanted to this week, but don't be shocked if he has a solid quarterback one day. The, the yardage is there. The touchdowns just are not. That is bound to return. Todd Gurley is reclaiming his role in as a back-end running back. One, two touchdowns and three catches. Should have a great day to come versus San Francisco. Brandon Cooks went down with concussion. Monitor his progression through the protocol here. Woods should be a wide receiver. Two, Cup has emerged as a wide receiver. One, 17 targets for Cooper Cup this past week. Yeah, and based on how Nick Bosa's looked tonight, uh, it might be a long day for Jared Goff. He's been struggling under pressure. Uh, he's still a decent high-end QB2 here in fantasy uh, due to all the quarterbacks on bye, but I don't love him here. Uh, it's very encouraging, though, to see Todd Gurley as the workhorse once again. 15 carries and 5 targets to just 1 carry and no targets for Malcolm Brown against Seattle. Uh, we'll see how this Rams offensive line plays against the San Francisco defense, but Gurley's a low-end RB1 here as long as he continues to get involved in the passing game and at the goal line. As you said, Cooper Cup's a wide receiver one, uh, Woods a boomer bust wide receiver two. Depending on if Cooks can play, I do like him here. Uh, the odds are good given that the Rams played Thursday night, so Cooks has 10 days to return. Um, assuming he plays, he's a high-end wide receiver three for me. But if not, this could actually make Gerald Everett really interesting. We'll see if the target share continues uh, with him being used way more than Tyler Higby. As of right now, I've got Everett as a high-end tight end too, but he's worth adding on waivers if you need help at that position. He could have the opportunity to become a tight end one rest of the season if this kind of usage continues. Really close call here. Uh, I think it's a pretty even matchup, but at home, I'll probably bet on the Rams rebounding. Yeah, I'm taking the Rams here, too, but San Francisco's looking better than expected. Uh, Atlanta at Arizona. Ryan tried his best to keep up with Houston, but his defense made it uh, made it tough for him, allowing 53 points. They will be fine this week in Arizona. Look for Ryan to stay at quarterback one. He threw three more touchdowns and 300 yards in Houston. This was a big game for Calvin Ridley, 5 of 9, 88 yards and a touchdown. To Julio Jones, 3 of 7, 42 yards. Certainly expected a better day for him. Mosinu got in on the action, 5 of 5, 42 yards and a touchdown. And Austin Hooper added 6 of 9 for 56 of his own. All are good options this week with Arizona's defense, uh, with Arizona's offense, likely scoring some points versus Atlanta on their own here. Freeman's receiving skills saved his day here, having rushed for just 11 carries, 30 yards, adding 5 of 40 for a touchdown, receiving solid 18-point day. Ito Smith continues to be as annoying as ever. Uh, Freeman's a running back, too. Smith, I wouldn't necessarily consider starting. But uh, the receivers, I would all, all – Sanu should be a good flex. Uh, Ridley should be a great great flex at the very least. Plenty of options this week. Yeah, this could be a shootout here. Both of these teams with bad defenses. Uh, in fact, uh, I like Matt Ryan as a mid-range QB1 with top three upside against this defense the great thing about atlanta's own awful defense is that ryan should be in plenty of shootouts rest of the season um as you said i love all the receivers here as you do and freeman as well considering the matchup um and actually we'll talk about muhammad sanu as a good waiver pickup rest of season if you need wide receiver help arizona got off a game ending field goal for the win in cincinnati and it's about time for this offense uh not Latavius, goodness. Kyler Murray gave us 250 yards passing and added 10 carries, 93 yards, and a rushing touchdown. The first time they really unleashed his rushing ability. This is another good matchup for him versus Atlanta. He has solid back end quarterback one floor with upside. Uh, David Johnson had David Johnson had 150 combined yards, continues as running back one. 
Larry led the team eight targets, going six for 58, and is a wide receiver two versus Atlanta. And while Keyshawn Johnson was the second highest uh, receiver in team targets, he only caught three catches to 22 yards. If Kirk is back this week, he'll have nice flex upside. But the West, uh, rest of the wide receivers are rotating a little too much on the outside to turn in much consistent value thus far. Don't chase the touchdowns and yardage from Chase Edmonds just yet. He remains a very high-value handcuff. He just got in some rushing on a uh, dreadful rush defense this past week. As I guess uh, David Johnson's back started to cramp up on him a little bit. Uh, I expect him to prepare a little better this week. Come on, Deej. Right, uh, but just in case he doesn't, uh, I think Chase Edmonds is the priority waiver wire ad this this week. Um, you know, the back tighten up on David Johnson throughout the game at Cincinnati, which is why Edmonds got more work. Uh, but the report was that his back was bothering him so much that he couldn't even sit down at his locker for interviews after the game. So that certainly doesn't sound very good. Um, there is a chance that he could miss this game, and if he did or if he were to, um, Edmonds would have running back one upside in this offense. As you said, uh, I love Fitzgerald as well, and Christian Kirk, if he can come back from that high ankle sprain, but we'll see. Um, Keyshawn Johnson, uh, he got the second most targets behind Fitzgerald against the Bengals, uh, but still just an upside wide receiver five if you're really desperate. Uh, give Give me the Falcons on the road, but here's another one that I could see going either way. Yeah, I'm going to take the Falcons on the road here, too. I, I'm considering them for my survival po- survivor pool, given some later season matchups. But uh, this defense has just been bad. Tennessee at Denver. Tennessee was the low score. Uh, Tennessee lost the low scoring game of the week here, managing only seven points. And that is why you don't chase the Titans players. Corey Davis and A.J. Brown combined for four catches, 50 yards, and that will probably happen more often than not with um, with Mariota. Certainly not going with either in Denver nor Mariota. Derrick Henry went 20 carries, 78 yards, and a touchdown with no catches this week to Deion Lewis's, Deion Lewis's two carries and two catches. He'll see another 15 touches and remains a running back, too, with upside. Could have had a second touchdown that got called back by uh, by penalty this week, unfortunately. Delaney Walker caught only one catch, 10 yards. This week he could bounce back in Tennessee. If he does not, I think Walker's in trouble. Yeah, I, I like Walker as a high-end tight end, too, still given the matchup. Uh, it's a little softer to attack Denver's pass defense with tight ends than outside. And then Derrick Henry, RB2 with upside, as you said. And if you're desperate, maybe A.J. Brown is a wide receiver four, but that's all I got here. And Denver wins on the road in Los Angeles, comes up against that tough Tennessee defense. Philip Winsley made a few nice runs late for a line of 15 carries, 114 yards, and a touchdown. And four catches to 13 carries, 61 yards, two touch or two catches only for Freeman. Lindsey will definitely have more room to run against Tennessee rather than uh, Freeman, but I'm not big on either. Lindsey is a flex or running back three, and Freeman I would bench. Uh, keep keep on the bench if you're able to. Sutton continues to develop. Four catches, seven targets, 92 yards and a touchdown, and the kid is steadily turn, turning into a star. If uh, if DJ Chark wasn't stealing all the headlines, I think a lot more eyes would be on Cortland Sutton right now. He's a solid flex option with continued steady target share. Sanders was shut down this game, one catch. He's a PPR flex, but don't expect much touchdown upside versus Tennessee. 
Yep, the only thing I'll add here is there are some trade rumors swirling around Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, if he goes to a nice situation midseason, like the Patriots or something, he could be very productive down the stretch. Just something to keep in mind. Uh, maybe worth kicking the tires on Sanders and trade talks if you have that bench spot and have a winning record here. Um, quick update uh, on the game. Kyle Juszczyk leaving with a looks like knee injury. That doesn't look good. A lot of, Ooh, wow. uh, yeah, especially with a lot of those Shanahan formations using use check as a blocker out of I for out of the I formation. That could, uh, that could be, that could be trouble. Could um, be trouble for George Kittle. Yeah, that too. But, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how they react, uh, with the rest of this game, but back to Denver here. Um, Denver and Tennessee, they've both been inconsistent teams with talent, but just tendencies to screw up. And the fact that this game is in Denver and the fact that Tennessee signed Cody Parkey as their kicker today makes me lean the Broncos. Tennessee will double doink their way to a victory here at home. Dallas at the Jets. The Cowboys got behind the the Packers and never... What? It's in Denver. Oh, well, then on the road. Let's go, <laughs> let's go Titans. All right. All right, we'll see. Cowboy, The Cowboys got behind the pack and never caught up, losing at home 34-24. Let's just focus on the positives since they get the Jets this week. Uh, Michael Gallup looked good, should be a fine wide receiver, three or better against the Jets. Seven catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown against the Packers' good defense. And Amari Cooper had a very good uh, 11 catches, 14 targets, 226 yards, and a touchdown, and is a must-start this week. Zeke is a must-start as well. Dak will be fine versus the Jets just stupid game planning from the offensive coordinator. I, I, I don't, I don't want to get into it. Yeah. <clears throat> Not a good night for Robbie gold either. Another, uh, he got a kick block just now missed two field goals earlier, but <clears throat> man, <clears throat> excuse me. I got a frog in my throat. Jeez, right that, now. that, that really kills you, huh? Yeah. But, uh, good analysis on the, on the Cowboys here. Uh, we're going to talk more about Michael Gallup on our waiver wire section. He was dropped in quite a few leagues after his knee surgery. Um, Seriously? and maybe, uh, you know, these Dallas players might be some buy high trade targets. Their offense is playing well, despite missing both Tyron Smith at left tackle and Lyle Collins at right tackle. Um, both of these guys should be back in the coming weeks, maybe after the Cowboys buy in week eight. So this offense could get even better the second half of the season, despite having some tougher matchups, which is a scary thought. Yeah. If Gallup somehow got dropped, I, I, I can't believe people would do that, but, but he's like, he's gotta be the wide receiver to add. You would think I, I I'm sorry. I didn't even realize that he was dropped. Yeah. We'll, uh, um, we'll talk about his ownership percentages in the waiver wire section for sure. Jeez. Uh, the New York jets are praying praying for Sam Darnold's mono mono to go away. Regardless, uh, that can be a tough virus to recover from, whether it's gone or not. You really can't exercise much and get up to speed. I remember in high school, all the guys that got mono, it's like they were out for two months, it felt like, because everybody thought they were going to die. Dallas is not a good defense to show up cold against. I would avoid Anderson, Crowder, Herndon, who may not play, and Darnold here. Hold on for another week, at least. Uh, Bell should see enough targets to stay a back-end running back one. The other running backs on the team are true non-factors. For me, it comes down to Sam Darnold. Um, if he plays, I don't hate Robbie Anderson as a wide receiver four with upside, depending on your options here. Uh, if you recall, Anderson was battling a calf injury early in the season, so 
getting Darnold back plus getting healthy could mean good things for Robbie Anderson here. And I also like Chris Herndon if he's active. Uh, his first game back, I would expect a decent target share as long as they can rebuild that chemistry from last year. And it's not like the Jets have many other options at wide receiver. Uh, I'd have him as a mid-range tight end too with upside if Darnold is back here. Um, but certainly don't love the Jets to win this game. The Cowboys came somewhat close to mounting a comeback against Green Bay but fell short. They should handle the Jets just fine. Easy win for Dallas here. Sunday night football, Pittsburgh at the L.A. Chargers. Pittsburgh took the Ravens to overtime before the loss after a uh, big turnover in midfield. Mason Rudolph went down to concussion, and he was replaced by Devlin Hodges. Every time I hear the name Devlin, I just think of that uh, Adam Sandler movie, Just Go With It. If you've seen it, you'll uh, you'll chuckle, and you know what I'm talking about. Jalen Samuels threw an interception. I don't like the offense's chances very much here. Connor was fine for 14 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown touchdown but had zero catches losing that aspect of his game Samuels only went two yards on three carries adding three short catches Juju Smith-Schuster got his targets converting seven of seven 75 yards and a touchdown and while the concerns are real about Juju I think they were a bit overblown Mike Tomlin much like Sean Payton will continue to scheme targets to his best players and he's talented enough to find openings on the field that's why he's Juju he's still at worst a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside I'd avoid Vance or the other young wide receivers. Deontay came back to earth without a touchdown. I think a fumble to this game, and Washington is avoid is an avoid as well. Yeah, you know, whenever I think about Devlin, I always think about Devlin McGregor, the uh, the pharmaceutical company in the Harrison Ford movie, The Fugitive. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. What? So you you falsified the the reports so you could what? Give them Provasic. Provastic. Oh my God, I couldn't think of the name of it. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Dr. Richard Kimball. The one-armed man. Oh, we got to rewatch that movie. Um, But that's what I always think of when I hear the name Devlin. Maybe his parents are big fans of Harrison Ford. Who knows? Um, But uh, (laughs) we may see quite a bit of Devlin because... I doubt Mason Rudolph is going to return from concussion protocol so quickly after he was knocked out cold for a good few minutes on the field. Uh, Really scary, but good to see him walking off. I would expect Tomlin to try and help his third string running, or excuse me, third string quarterback as much as possible with the running game. Uh, The Steelers do still have a good offensive line despite their quarterback issues. And we just saw Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freeman combine for almost 200 rushing yards against this Chargers run D. I would expect that that's a formula they're going to try and replicate. Um, I like James Conner quite a bit as a mid-range RB2 here, and Samuels as a flex as well. We could see some more of that, uh, <clears throat> um, more of those, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. The, uh, the formations with both of them, the uh, the direct snaps. Wildcat. Yes, thank you. Uh, Wildcat wild cat formation. Rawr. Sorry, I was thinking too much about Harrison Ford there. Um but I think we could see a lot of the run game here. And for that reason, I'd probably avoid Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, I've got him as just a flex play. Sutton had that long touchdown against them, but it was on a kind of busted coverage and poor tackling, two missed tackles on that touchdown run. And while Smith-Schuster certainly has the talent to break a long touchdown like that, uh, I'm thinking that the Chargers are going to rotate coverage on Juju. Uh, Deontay Johnson actually continues to lead the team in targets, and it wouldn't shock me if he gets more than Juju Smith-Schuster again this week. 
course, Johnson's just a boom or bust wide receiver four, depending on if he can score. And then Vance McDonald, I like as a mid-range tight end too, if he can get some more checkdowns in PPR in this game. The Chargers had an awful game at home versus Denver. There ain't no two ways about that. Rivers went 2-11, two interceptions, zero touchdowns. He looked really bad. Anybody can have that sort of day. I'll forgive him. He's had a long career. Um, Gordon's going to get up to speed. Mike Williams is going to get healthier. Keenan Allen had a bad day where they shut him down just four of six for 18 yards, but he's a wide receiver one in Pittsburgh versus Pittsburgh. Mike Williams looked better than the week before this time, six of 13, 74 yards, and he's a solid flex in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's getting better. Melvin Gordon looked like a guy who is, who hasn't played the NFL in the NFL in half a season, compiling just 31 yards on 12 carries, four catches, seven yards on six targets. He will be fine going forward. I'd start both him and Eckler as RB2s. Eckler had a 15-catch uh, day on 16 targets for 86 yards on top of just three carries for seven yards. The receiving volume won't be that high. The rushing volume won't be that low. This is a team that's going to get it figured out and keep him a flex at worst from week to week. Right. Like I said before, um, I'm going to continue referring to the Chargers as uh, the original and still reigning choke artists. Their defense is hurt, uh, and the offense isn't looking great right now. That's bad news against a Steelers defense that really limited Lamar Jackson for most of the day on Sunday. I've got Rivers as just a high-end quarterback, too, that I would probably fade this week. Uh, and I mentioned last week that Keenan Allen could struggle against Chris Harris, had him downgraded to a low-end wide receiver, too, and Allen did not have a great day. Of course, he's still a high-end wide receiver, too, in this matchup um, and should have a better night here. Mike Williams remains in that mid-range wide receiver three. Uh, and even playing through the back issue, he looked fairly effective. And I don't love the running backs as much either. Uh, Eckler has a good floor and ceiling in PPR. Uh, still a, a low-end RB2 for me, but I don't love Melvin Gordon here. I've got him as just a touchdown-dependent flex play. Uh, Pittsburgh has given up a lot of yards and touchdowns to that Niners-efficient run game. But outside of that... They've limited Joe Mixon to 62 rushing yards, Mark Ingram to just 44 yards, and Gordon really isn't being used much in the passing game to have a safe floor. Uh, I would try to avoid him for now until we see him get more involved in this offense. And then the other thing, too, is keep an eye on Hunter Henry. Uh, he started doing individual drills, could practice this week or next week. Uh, still a long shot to play this week but we're going to talk about him a little bit more on our waiver wire section it sounds like he's fairly close to returning surprisingly enough it's kind of sad that i'm really not confident about the chargers against possibly pittsburgh's third string quarterback here um i think the smart bet here is the chargers but i could see pittsburgh running it down their throats and playing really good defense uh I I, I hate this pick, but give me Devlin Hodges. Yeah, um, I'm going to pick up another win on you here. Give me the charge. <laughs> All right. Monday, Monday night football, Detroit at Green Bay. Detroit had two weeks to prepare for this. Unfortunately, it will not have mattered. Uh, Galladay is a back-end wide receiver, too, in what will be a tough matchup. Marvin Jones has some flex upside here. Could shake free for a deep route or two. This could be a huge day for Carrion Johnson, though, if they play their chips right. Bright lights, Monday night, NFC North showdown, and I think this kid's a gamer. 
he knows that if he can have a big game on the national stage, he could force this team and Matt Patricia into a more featured role here. And the Green Bay run defense could allow it for him here. He could allow two, you know, 200 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, if Zeke was used properly last game, Dallas would have won. Are they, Christ, they should have just kept running the ball. I mean, anybody, I could run on the Packers. TJ Hawkinson is a reasonable effective as uh, Green Bay is more susceptible inside than uh, than they are to wideouts also. Yeah, I think uh, Carrion's going to do his best Ryback impression this week. Feed me more. Uh, he could be a oh high my God. running back too. Throwback. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, and you thought I didn't watch wrestling. Um, wow apparently you did in 2014 <laughs> yeah it was that long ago um yeah he's been out for a while i did not know that so good to know yep. uh clearly my references are a bit dated but that's all right uh, yeah. i would expect a heavy dose of carry on here um i i mean i guess i'd fade stafford as just a mid-range qb2 i don't love him against this packers pass defense I don't love Hawkinson either, even if he does return from that concussion protocol. Um, even with Galladay having the tougher matchup against Shire Alexander, uh, this Green Bay pass defense is pretty good against tight ends. And I also don't think that Galladay is a must bench. Um, he's pretty good in his own right. Uh, he could still get free for a couple big plays. Plenty of points for the Packers this game, but no passing touchdowns. Rodgers is at best a back-end quarterback one until he starts throwing up the throwing up those elite numbers. Aaron Jones was just awesome without Jamal Williams there. Why can't they see this while his backup's healthy? I just don't know. <clears throat> Sorry, 19 carries, 107 yards, four touchdowns, plus seven of eight, 75 yards receiving. Aaron Jones is capable of being a running back one every week if they would just let him. Geronimo Allison saw the most wide receiver targets, only catching two of six for 28 yards to MVS's one of four for 18. The pass game's in a little bit of trouble um, until Devontae Adams comes back. Uh, Detroit is a good defense, but Adams might be back here. I'm not sure. Uh, they haven't really updated us this week on his toe. But Graham is a decent tight end option again. Right. And a uh, quick game update here. It looks like the Niners defense, or excuse me, the offense is struggling a little bit with Kyle Juszczyk. Um, they've been using their second tight end a little bit in that fullback position. Uh, Ross Dwelly, I guess. Um, so we'll see how effective. Oh, well, at least they didn't move Kittle inside back there. That's what I was worried about. No, yeah. So that is uh, that is not a concern for Kittle owners here, at least. But, uh, you know, Good. back to this NFC North showdown here. I could see this being a ground-and-pound game on both sides. The Lions haven't been too great defending against the run either. Uh, they've allowed four rushing touchdowns over their last two games before the bye week. Um, Aaron Jones is the low-end running back one here. I like him quite a bit, but we will see if Jamal Williams is back from that concussion. Like you said, they should be feeding Aaron Jones, but uh, we'll see if Williams will probably get some work if he's healthy and... Um, Speaking of health, we'll see if Devontae Adams can return from that turf toe injury. If he does, I have him as a low-end wide receiver one. And uh, both Mart, excuse me, Mark, man, you're jinxing me now with this MVS stuff. Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Geronimo Allison are both flex plays. And if Adams is out, I actually don't love either wide receiver uh, more. Uh, nope. Detroit's been really good in man coverage. Uh, they frustrated Patrick Mahomes even when he was healthy. So 
I guess I'd upgrade both of those receivers a little bit due to more target share, but uh, I don't know that either one of them would have a big night regardless. If I had to pick one, I'd probably go with Marquez Valdez-Scantling with a potential big play. He gets those big downfield shots a little bit more than Allison does. And then Graham, still a decent high in tight end two as well if Adams is out. Uh, he'll likely get a few more targets as well. This is yet another tough game to call. This week's really tight on a lot of these matchups. I think if Adams is out, I'm going to take Detroit here, even on the road. All right, I will go with the Packers. A uh, couple teams on a bye here. I will uh, go through them. Buffalo, of course, you're benching, or you can't play Josh Allen, Frank Orr, Singletary should be healing up, John Brown, Dawson Knox, or their tough defense. Uh, Buffalo wins a 21-point defensive game. Allen went 200 yards, two touchdowns. Singletary gets two weeks to heal. If Josh Allen does get dropped here, he's got three cakewalk matchups coming up, uh, even though with his skill set, he should probably be started regardless. Chicago, Mitch Trubisky, uh, Dave Montgomery, Allen Robinson, Chicago's defense, I refuse to acknowledge this team right now. You can add any comments later if you really want to. Indianapolis, Jacoby Brissett, Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines, T.Y. Hilton, Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle. Good timing for T.Y. Hilton to uh, Hilton to get a little more healed up. Marlon Mack and that offensive line just looking like tanks and monsters out there. There you go. Josh Jacobs, uh, Oakland, Josh Jacobs, Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller. Jacobs is turning into a very solid running back, too, with upside. He will get more receiving work. He was great in college. He should get uh, more and more as the weeks come by. I think we missed our opportunity to buy low. I was thinking he'd be stifled by Chicago, have the week off, and I could snag him for cheap. But nope, he messed that up for me. So kicking off the injuries at quarterback first, we've got Patrick Mahomes with a high ankle sprain. He's questionable, but again, likely to play this week. He suffered a similar injury in week one against Jacksonville. Um, the question is his mobility uh, You know, against Houston's pass rush. It's worrisome, but again, even limping around on Sunday night football, Mahomes scored 18 fantasy points, so he's the definition of a must start. Uh, and then we got Mason Rudolph, uh, concussion, questionable play, but probably unlikely given the severity of that concussion. He was out cold for a few minutes on the field. Uh, could make it harder for him to progress through the concussion protocol in just one week. Of course, it's not impossible, but monitor the practice reports this week. Mitch Trubisky with the shoulder dislocation. He's likely back in week seven or eight after Chicago's bye week this week. Again, it didn't sound too serious, but uh, we'll see how his rehab is going. It's unlikely that Chicago will push him if he's not ready, but it does sound like it was a minor uh, shoulder dislocation. Sam Darnold with the mono, uh, he is questionable. Uh, depends on whether the swelling in his spleen dies down. I believe he said something along the lines of he doesn't want to die on the field, so that's perfectly understandable. Uh, monitor the practice reports on Darnold this week. Cam Newton likely still a couple weeks away, probably going to be out until after Carolina's week seven bye with that Liz Frank sprain in his foot. And then there's Drew Brees, who had the surgery on his UCL ligament on his thumb. Uh, similar to Cam Newton, probably going to be out until week 7 or 8 at the earliest. At running back, we've got David Johnson with the back injury, questionable for this week. According to the reports, uh, Johnson hurt his back in the first half against the Bengals, and it locked up on him throughout the game. He was reportedly so uncomfortable after the game that he couldn't even sit at his locker for post-game interviews. 
monitor his practice status closely this week. If he's out, Chase Edmonds would be the next man up. Wayne Gallman with a concussion, questionable but not likely to play this week. With the Giants playing on Thursday night, it's very unlikely that Gallman can clear their concussion protocol in just four days. The Giants are going to have a decision to make about their star running back. Uh, speaking of, Saquon Barkley with the high ankle sprain, he's questionable for this week. Again, that's very unusual because it generally takes players at least four weeks minimum to recover fully from a high ankle sprain. Uh, but the video of Barkley running in practice looked good. Week 7 is still a safer bet, but who knows? Barkley may be superhuman enough to be back on Thursday Night Football. If not, Jonathan Hillman and Elijah Penny would be the top two backs, but both should be avoided in fantasy. We've got Devin Singletary with the hamstring injury. He's likely back in Week 7. The Bills are on bye this week, and he was close to playing the last couple weeks, so he should be ready once they're back. And then Jamal Williams with the concussion. He's questionable for this week. We'll see if he can return. The rational decision should be to keep Aaron Jones as the workhorse back after that performance against Dallas, but we'll see how much Williams would eat back into Jones' touches, if at all, upon his return. Rex Burkhead with the foot injury. Questionable again this week. Uh, much like Jamal Williams, Burkhead doesn't have a ton of fantasy value on his own, but it would impact both Sony Michelle and James White's touches. Michelle finally led in carries and got targeted in the passing game with Burkhead out, but his return could once again reduce Michelle's involvement here, so monitor the practice reports on Burkhead. Another Patriot uh, kicking off the wide receivers here, Philip Dorsett with the hamstring injury questionable for this week. Dorsett is only worth starting in deeper formats, but his availability does impact Tom Brady in the passing offense uh, with wide receiver depth a bit thin now for the Patriots. However, it should not be a concern against the bad Giants secondary on Thursday night. Sammy Watkins with a hamstring injury, questionable for this week. Watkins hurt his hamstring early in the Sunday night game against Indianapolis. He was almost immediately ruled out. He wasn't producing in fantasy to begin with, so he could actually be better as the secondary option once Tyreek Hill returns. Monitor the practice reports this week on Watkins. And we've got Sterling Shepard, another giant with a concussion here, likely out this week. This is Shepard's second concussion of the season, and they're playing on a short week. It's likely they're going to hold him out and monitor him, take him slowly back through the protocol. Devontae Adams with turf toe, questionable. Uh, the Packers do play on Monday night this week, so uh, that'll be in a situation to monitor. You'll have a decision to make um, if he's questionable going into the Sunday games. Uh, it's supposedly not too serious, but these toe sprains are tough to return from, especially for wide receivers who need to cut and push off the ground for jumping. Monitor the reports on him this week. Then we've got Christian Kirk with a high ankle sprain two weeks ago. He has a chance to return this week. It would be a great matchup against Atlanta's awful secondary, but if Kirk can't go, then Keyshawn Johnson could be worth a flex start in deep leagues, especially if Damier Bird is out as well with his hamstring injury. Deshaun Jackson with a groin injury. He's been out for a few weeks now. He sounded close to ready, and the Eagles may have opted to give him another week, expecting an easy win over the Jets, which they got. But it sounds like he's truly still questionable, so you'll just have to keep monitoring his practice status all week. And then Tyreek Hill with the SC joint dislocation, questionable. He looked good in practice running routes and catching balls, but the question is going to be whether he can hold up in contact uh, enough in, to avoid re-injury. So monitor the practice reports here. It sounds like Hill will go if he does practice in full this week. 
And then AJ Green recovering from that ankle surgery, still expected to return in week seven at the earliest. According to the reports, there's no timetable on Green right now. He could be out until week 10 after Cincinnati's week nine bye, and he's probably droppable at this point outside of deep leagues unless you think there's going to be a midseason trade. At tight end, we've got James O'Shaughnessy with the ACL tear out for the season. You likely weren't starting him anyway, but this does impact the Jaguars' offense. We could see more targets for Jeff Swaim or Chris Conley in O'Shaughnessy's absence, or the rookie Josh Oliver, who's been out since the preseason with a hamstring injury, could eventually become relevant down the stretch. TJ Hawkinson with a concussion, he's questionable for this week. Uh, this will be a status to update. Again, this is the, bun- the Monday night game, so you'll have a decision to make if you are relying on starting Hawkinson. And then a name we haven't talked about in a little bit, Hunter Henry with a leg fracture. He's questionable for this week, but more likely to return in week 7 or 8. He started running, uh, but still uh, needs to get some full practices in. He's a long shot to play this week, but monitor those practice reports. Henry may be worth a preemptive pickup off waivers if he's, co- if he's due to come back soon. Jordan Reed with concussion, still no estimate for return on him. He's had a long history of concussions here. And then another Redskins tight end, Vernon Davis, too, with the concussion. He's questionable. Monitor the updates on Davis as well, because with Washington playing poor Miami defense this week, um, Jeremy Sprinkle could actually be a tight end, too, with upside if both Reed and Davis are out again. Kicking off our waiver wire section, um, quarterbacks, Gardner Minshew, 19% owned is ESPN, 24% in Yahoo. Minshew has a high floor, and he scored 16 or more fantasy points in every game thus far this year. Year. New Orleans' past defense is susceptible, and the Jaguars will likely need to throw to keep up, assuming the Saints get up early with Jalen Ramsey still out. He's a high-ceiling quarterback, too, this week. Kirk Cousins, 26% ESPN, 41% Yahoo. Cousins is a risky boomer bust quarterback, too. Philadelphia's secondary is weak, but the question is whether Minnesota's offensive line will give him enough time to throw against the strong pass rush. If you don't have better options, though, Minnesota's plan of attack should involve more passing than rushing in this one. Jimmy Garoppolo, 34% owned in ESPN, 60% in Yahoo. The Rams' defense started off great, but has allowed over 650 passing yards and eight touchdowns over the last two games. But Dante Pettis' shoulder healing up should give Garoppolo a lot of weapons in addition to George Kittle, Marquise Goodwin, Debo Samuel, and all four running backs who can catch passes with the best of them. Right. Hopefully the use check injury won't affect this offense too much. They've seemed to struggle a little bit more now late in the game with him gone. But kicking off our running back section on the waivers, we've got Chase Edmonds, 3% owned in both ESPN and Yahoo formats, with David Johnson questionable with the back injury. Edmonds has running back one upside in what should be a high-scoring game against Atlanta. He's going to be a priority ad for Johnson owners this week, as well as other teams in need of running back help here. Chris Thompson, 63% owned in ESPN, 64% owned on Yahoo. It's getting pretty desperate out there. If you need running back help, uh, we're cheating a little bit here, listing a few guys who are a little bit over 50% owned, but Thompson continues to out-touch Adrian Peterson, especially in the past game and even at the goal line, so he's a flex play this week against a terrible Miami defense. Carlos Hyde, 61% owned in ESPN, 66% Yahoo. Hyde continues to dominate carries over Duke Johnson and is splitting the passing game work as well. 
Furthermore, Hyde is the goal line back and gets more scoring opportunities, so he's a high-end RB3 this week facing a Chiefs defense that could be missing up to three starting players on their defense, including their defensive tackle star Chris Jones. Gus Edwards, 4% in ESPN, 7% in Yahoo. If you're desperate, uh, it's possible that Baltimore gets a big lead early against a terrible Bengals team this week. If the Ravens are up multiple scores by the second half, they could rest Ingram a bit and give Edwards some work against the Bengals defense that is giving up a league-worst 168 rushing yards per game. And then finally, Reggie Bonifant, not owned at all across both formats. Christian McCaffrey sideline late against the Jaguars with cramps. It sounds like he should be fine this week, but the risk of him missing time is somewhat high given the amount of snaps that he plays. Bonifant is a handcuffed with RB2, maybe even RB1 upside here if Christian McCaffrey were to miss time in the future. He looked good and broke a 59-yard touchdown run against Jacksonville, so he may get more playing time in general uh, to give McCaffrey a breather here and there in games. As for our wide receivers, DJ Chark, 72% in ESPN, 73% in Yahoo. Chark is owned in most leagues, but he should be owned in 100% of leagues. He's a wide receiver five on the season through five weeks, and clearly Gardner Minshew's go-to target. He's a must-start wide receiver every week until it gives us a reason not to. Michael Gallup, 70% in ESPN, 67% in Yahoo. Here's another guy who is over the 50% mark, but... Still not high enough. Should be close to 100. Gallup tied Amari Cooper with a team-high 14 targets versus Green Bay. While Prescott won't throw quite as much every week in catch-up mode, Gallup is quickly becoming the 1B to Cooper's 1A in an efficient Dallas offense. He's a weekly wide receiver, 3 with upside. Looked great before the injury. D.D. Westbrook, 63% ESPN, 58% Yahoo. D.J. Chark is the big story in Jacksonville, but Westbrook continues to be targeted heavily as well. With defenses likely to focus on stopping Chark going forward, this could actually help Didi, who has quietly held uh, had at least five catches in four of the five games this year. Mohamed Sanu, 43% ESPN, 42% Yahoo. Sanu has had at least five catches in every game this season. Given the state of Atlanta's defense, Matt Ryan is going to be in plenty of shootouts, and when Julio is covered, Sanu is Ryan's next surest target here. Sanu has a great matchup too this week versus a terrible Arizona secondary and is a wide receiver three with big upside. Deontay Johnson, 20% ESPN, 34% Yahoo. We've talked about Deontay Johnson a couple weeks straight now on the podcast. He's had more targets than Juju in the last two games and is a desperate wide receiver four against an injured and inconsistent Chargers defense. You could do worse in deeper leagues if you need help at wide receiver. Keyshawn Johnson, 3% ESPN, 2% Yahoo. If you're really desperate, there's a chance that both Christian Kirk and Demir Bird could miss their second straight week with injuries. That Johnson was second in targets behind only Larry Fitzgerald versus Cincy. Atlanta should score a ton of points versus Arizona this week, leading to plenty more targets for Johnson. Whether he actually produces is iffy, that's up to him, but he's desperation wide receiver five with some upside versus this horrible Atlanta secondary. Preston Williams, 5% ESPN, 8% Yahoo. Again, Preston Williams showed chemistry with Rosen in the preseason, and this Washington defense has not been great. He will likely lead the team in targets and be flex-worthy this week. He could have wide receiver three potential rest of season if Miami can get its offense on track even a bit with Rosen getting first-team reps. Uh, Don't worry about Josh Norman. I expect him to see Devontae Parker, and Josh Norman isn't good. He hasn't been for two years. Yep, 
<clears throat> and at tight end, uh, kicking it off, we got Gerald Everett, 3% owned in ESPN, 9% owned in Yahoo. San Francisco hasn't allowed many points to opposing tight ends thus far, but they also haven't faced any strong tight end-centric offenses. Everett's snap rate and targets have continued to increase the last few games, and he could be an even bigger factor in the offense if Brandon Cooks were to miss this week with a concussion. Chris Herden, 12% owned in ESPN, 29% owned in Yahoo. If Sam Darnold is back for this one, he and Herden could pick up where they left off in 2018. This Jets offense has been awful, but could get on track if both Darnold and Herden return. Hunter Henry, we talked about a little bit. 46% owned in ESPN, 40% in Yahoo. Henry could still be a week or two away from returning, but his recovery has gone much better than expected. Given the rough state of tight ends outside of the top few reliable starters right now, Henry could have tight end one upside and is worth a preemptive stash, especially for teams with good records who are already looking ahead to the rest of the season. Jeremy Sprinkle, 0% owned across both ESPN and Yahoo. If you're desperate, there's a chance that both Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis are both out again this week. If so, Sprinkle would remain the starter against Miami defense. That's top 10 in points allowed to opposing tight ends. As for defense special teams, Tampa Bay, 6% ESPN, 9% Yahoo. Tampa Bay was able to sack Cam Newton three times when they last met. And they are stout against the run, allowing McCaffrey just 53 yards from scrimmage in their last matchup. Of course, it's a London game. Crazy things could happen. Tampa is a risk-reward defense to play this week. Miami defense special teams, obviously unowned. If you're truly desperate, Washington just fired their head coach. And Miami has it two weeks to prepare for this matchup coming off their bye. If there was ever a week to gamble on Miami's defense, this would be it. And at kicker, we've got Mike Nugent, 19% owned in ESPN, 26% owned in Yahoo Leagues. Uh, Nugent's ownership percentage is shockingly low, actually, considering that he's basically the new Steven Guskowski. He kicked well against Washington, and New England should be able to move the ball against this vanilla Giants defense on Thursday night. And then both Zane Gonzalez and Matt Bryant. Gonzalez, 41% owned in ESPN, 17% in Yahoo and Bryant, 38% owned in ESPN and 24% owned in Yahoo. Both the Cardinals and the Falcons' defenses have been awful this season. This should be a fairly high-scoring game with lots of touchdowns and field goal opportunities for both teams here. And we're five weeks through uh, the season. There's still a lot of time here, Uh, a lot of time if you're well, 0-5, you're not looking too hot. It's probably pretty tough to make the playoffs at this point, but uh, if you're 1-4 or 2-3, and three, uh, you still got a fighting chance. Make some trades, make some waiver wire acquisitions, uh, do what you got to do, and claw your way into the playoffs because once you do, anything can happen. As we've seen this week, uh, studs can score 5-6 points and then previously considered wide receiver threes like Will Fuller and DJ Shark can go off for 40-some points. So if you ever need more specific advice for your team or league with crazy scoring, crazy league settings, whatever it is, you can always find us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. 
And I'm at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S, and Super Producer Dan is at FFA underscore Dan, D-A-N, that's Dan. We are, of course, available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, so don't forget to hit subscribe, whether you're listening to us on your computer or mobile device, and you will have a podcast ready for you before work tomorrow morning, Tuesday mornings. And as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 